It's one of those things where you just got to do it. And the first one is the hardest, you know, and then, um, you know, the more you do, the better you get, you start to understand what you're doing. You start to pick up on the subtle cues of what people are saying and, and it, you know, you kind of progress that way. It's all about like what we say, you know, the sets and reps, right? You just got to do it. Welcome to the Closers Network Podcast, where we show you what's possible when you make a decision to join the remote sales revolution. This podcast is for you if you are currently trying to break into a lucrative remote closing opportunity, or if you want the resources to massively increase your monthly commissions. The e-learning space is an estimated $400 billion, and there are more than 250 million creators online and growing every day. We believe those who get into remote sales now will be massively rewarded in the future. If you're ready to explode your remote sales career and land better opportunities, join us for free at theclosersnetwork.com. Sit back and enjoy. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Closers Network podcast, the only place that you want to go to to get the tools that you need to make between 10 and 30K a month in the remote high ticket space, guys, even with no experience. That being said, I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, the Terrence Man, who I think I've known now for about four or five years, yeah, if, if yeah. we look back. But that being said, Terrence, I'm excited to have you here, man. Welcome. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Thank you. Awesome. So let's do this, Terrence, since, uh, since we met about four or five years ago now, um, I'd love for the uh, audience, our listeners to know exactly what your background was, what you did prior to getting into this space and, and how you got into this space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I could really take it back to, um, you know, I mean, graduating high school, I knew nothing about what I wanted to do, right? Like, mm. um, you know, I just, I always struggled with what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I joined the Navy at 19 because that was kind of the easy thing to do. I didn't want to go to school. I ended up dropping out of college after one semester. Um, and joined the Navy, went off and did that. After I got out of the Navy, I started working on cars. And, um, you know, I just did four years in, in the military, got out, started working on cars. And, um, you know, that was around the time that I met Rich is when I was wrenching, when I was working on cars. And um, I just, I hated what I was doing. I did it for about six years. And I got to the point where I just, you know, every day I hated waking up and going to going to the shop and, you know, coming home dirty hands, working long hours. Sure. Um, you know, for for money that was not anywhere near what I hoped to make. And so um right around that time is when I met Rich and um, uh, you know, he was starting one CC. And um you know, I actually approached him for a job at one point because he was, you know, he was starting to grow and he was hiring people on to be closers. And I was like, Hey man, I mean, might as well give it a shot. And, um, and so I reached out to Rich and, and we, you know, we decided to, to work together and he let me be a closer. And I learned a lot in those early days. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, um, you know, that's my background and that's how I got into this. Dude, that's awesome, man. So what I hear you saying is, you basically were a mechanic. You saw your uh, friend Rich. He's got this company. He's adding salespeople on. He's starting to scale, and you're like, "Hey, man, might not be a bad idea to give this thing a shot." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What would you tell the listener that maybe has a similar background to you that has the mindset of, "But Terrence, I could never be a salesperson." Yeah. Right. How did you overcome that? What was maybe some of the mindset things you had to go through to figure out or get clarity or how did that transition happen? Yeah. So 
Honestly, it's, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly how I always felt about sales, right? Like I was, I was one of those guys that's like, I could never be a salesperson because I always thought that, you know, salespeople were kind of slimy and, you know, lack of integrity type. But once I got into it, I, I got into it because it was one of those things I just wanted out of working on cars, right? Right. And so I decided to move into, into sales. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into at the time. Um, but as far as that mentality of, I could never be a salesperson, you know, it, it really stems from, at least it did for me, it stems from, I felt like sales, salespeople had no integrity or they were liars or whatever, right? Like the used car salesman type of person, <laughs> cheap suit type, you know what Snake I mean? Snake oil salesman. Snake oil salesman, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Right. And, but what I, what I learned once I got into sales, what I learned was that the best salespeople are the people with the most integrity. Mm -hmm. So rather than, you know, being that used car salesman, snake oil salesman, the people that excel are the people that truly believe in what they sell and are honest about it. And, and so for me, once, once I came to that realization that it, it's, you know, sales is not a slimy game. It's about bringing people, helping walk people down a path that ends in a decision that's best for them. And once I got to that point and I understood that, it just opened my eyes to what you can really do in sales and how you can help change people's lives. Dude, honestly, that was, I, I wish I had a button to like drop something because that might've been <laughs> the most profound thing I've heard on the podcast yet. You said the best salespeople you realize are actually the most honest ones and that can basically tell the truth, right? That's exactly right. And, and that's what I found to be true. Yeah. Right, dude. So that that's profound to me. And I don't I've never heard anyone explain it that way. So that's that's dude, that's that's a whoa. So that that's that's incredible, man. Um, did you did you have any sort of like, okay, hey, you made the change. You're in now, you're maybe getting ready for your first sales call. What were some of the emotions that you went through at that point in time? Did you have any limiting beliefs or walk me through what that first one week or one month or maybe like 90 days even like yeah, looked yeah. like for you? It was brutal, man. Like it was, I was so nervous always like get in the, it like, I think back to that first time I was getting ready to get on a call. I've never done a sales call in my life. Right. And I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? I'm just going to get on the call and, and talk to this person and see how the call goes. Right. And, you know, it was just, I was nervous and, um, you know, expectedly, I, you know, it was, it was nerve wracking and, but it's one of those things where you just got to do it. And the first one is the hardest, you know, and then, um, you know, the more you do, the better you get, you start to understand what you're doing. You start to pick up on the subtle cues of what people are saying and, and it, you know, you kind of progress that way. It's all about like what we say, you know, the sets and reps, right? You just got to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but but I can say for sure, like that first day or two was was brutal. One thing though that that really helped me was that I made a sale my very first day. Really? And so my very first day, I made a sale. It was like dude, it was like my second or third call. Like it was a laydown. You know, mm -hmm. the guy just. I mean, <laughs> it was. But it was a blessing to me because I thought you know it gave me the the um, you know the encouragement. Like yeah, I can really do this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, dude, that, that, that first week or two, I would say probably the first couple of weeks was, was pretty tough, but dude, once you, once you get into it, man, it's fun. It's fun. I just, I love talking to people on the phone and it's funny because I was always the type of guy I thought I was introverted and I am to a certain extent, but 
I don't know, dude. I just, I love talking to people on the phone, man. And it's, you know, it's exciting and you're talking to people all over the world and it's, it's an awesome opportunity to, to be able to understand other people's perspectives. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of just like a side benefit of, of getting into sales is, you know, all the people you get to connect with is, is awesome. hundred percent. One hundred percent. Talk to me a little bit about what life was like, you know, it didn't sound like it was too exciting while you were a mechanic because you were looking to get out of it. Did that affect your home life? How was like your financial life prior to you becoming a closer? If you don't mind walking me through some of those emotions of what it was like at home mm -hmm. or even at the bank account. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I would say at home, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but it also wasn't that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was, we were getting by, you know, we had enough money. We, you know, it was, it was one of those things where we were kind of surviving. We weren't really in a pinch, but I just always knew that I could do so much more and that I had more potential. And, um, so, but, but I can say like at home, it was not that bad. Like it was, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that I had any relational issues because of it, but dude, the bank account for sure. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I never really thought I could get ahead and, um, you know, kind of the, the comment you made earlier about limiting beliefs is it was, you know, when I was in that space in that world, like there's not a lot of mechanics that make a lot of money. And so you're surrounded by people that are strapped for cash and you're surrounded by people that are buried in debt. And so that's just kind of how you identify. And that's the world that you're in. And so it was, um, you know, looking at the bank account and, and knowing that I was I was capable of more, um, was always kind of an internal struggle for me. That was that was one of the things that really drove me to, like I said, to pursue the sales thing because I knew what kind of money was was possible in this game, especially after knowing Rich and seeing what he had started to do and and seeing what some of the other salespeople that were, you know, seeing what they were doing financially. Um, I knew that there was great potential. And so I had to go for it. But yeah, dude, those those early days of of really my adulthood up until I started doing this until my, you know, my late twenties, it was financial struggle looking at the, looking at the bank account and, and being disappointed. Did you have any fears at that moment in time as this is happening before the transition? So yes, because to kind of take it back to when I first pursued Rich about moving into this, I had my first, my first kid had just been born, my son, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, and he had just been born and, um, my fear, that's really what pushed me to do this is because I was comfortable working on cars. Like I said, we made enough money to survive. But then when my son came into the world, I didn't want him to grow up in a house that was not financially well off. Mm. And I didn't want him to grow up in a world where dad was always struggling or work was always, you know, a challenge, um, you know, emotionally because of the lack of money. And, um, and so really when my son was born is, was kind of the moment for me where I had to, um, you know, really push myself outside of my comfort zone. And so that fear of my son growing up in a house that I didn't want him to grow up in that, that was, that was huge, huge for me. So my, really when my son was born is, was kind of my, that moment that really pushed me to, to pursue the sales game. Love it, man. Love it. <clears throat> so you made a transition. Now you're starting to get dialed in. You took your first sales call, happened to close on your first day. Man, I can't even imagine what a feeling. <laughs> Wasn't the case for me and a lot of people that I know, but certainly is the case for some. 
um, you start maybe coaching, right? Whether it's with Rich at that time, whether it's with Trish or other people that are in leadership or surrounded by, um, how do you feel like that coaching had an effect on you, right? Maybe after you've gotten some sets and reps, what type of feedback were you getting? How do you feel like that maybe helped you accelerate your results? Walk me through a little bit of what that looked like for you and really like what type of time frame did it take for you to really start like, okay, I'm, I'm having some serious good months right mm-hmm. now. This is, this is awesome. Yeah. So honestly, without coaching, I wouldn't have made it. Like I wouldn't have continued in sales without coaching because I did make a sale on my first day. I got lucky, you know? Um, but I got to the point where I was really struggling and, um, the coaching for me with rich was, was huge because I, I still remember this one, this one specific call. I still remember it, dude, because I got off the call and I was like, I, I didn't know what I was doing yet. Still, like it was probably maybe two months in and, um, you know, I was learning, but I was in kind of a funk myself. And I was, that was, that was reflecting itself in the call to the point where, you know, the guy was like, yeah, no, I just, no, I'm good. I don't want it. You know? And, and I was like doing what I thought was trying to push hard to get him to, to close the deal, but I was doing it all wrong. And, um, you know, at the time, like our calls were recorded and Rich was reviewing the calls and, uh, you know, he reached out to me and he was like, Terrence, he's like, you gotta, you gotta go back and watch that call and just look at yourself and look at your demeanor. Cause it was a zoom call. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went back and watched it and I was, and he asked me, he was like, would you have bought from you? Damn. And I was like, dude, there's no way. And so, but, but I never would have known that if it wasn't pointed out to me. I never would have seen, you, you, you can't, that's the thing about like in life in general, you don't, there's, you have blind spots in your life, right? Where you don't see what you're doing until someone else points it out to you. And you're like, wow. Then you look at it and you're like, oh, totally. Like I can totally see it, but you have to have that person to point out those flaws. There's so many blind spots. This goes beyond just sales, but it's huge in sales specifically. Um, you know, you have to have someone that's reviewing your sales calls and that you're consulting with and that is giving you feedback. And so coaching is, I mean, it's worth every penny that, that we ever spend on it because, uh, you have to have somebody showing you your blind spots. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now you're kind of in the rhythm. You're getting coaching, you're course correcting, right? You're figuring things out. You're getting more dialed in. What are some of the strategies that maybe you took away from coaching, you shared, you know, one, it sounds like, what are some other things that maybe you did um, that really helped you overcome some of the objections or the rejection that you were getting on the sales call? Was there, is there anything tangible maybe you can share with the listener that, you know, steps you took that really helped you overcome some of these challenges that you were having on the calls? Tangible steps, I would say, the biggest one for me, as far as your, your comment about rejection, like how to overcome that, the biggest thing for me is repetition. You have to be willing to accept the no's. You have to be willing to, to get the rejection. And that comes with experience on the phone. And right. so you have to put in the repetitions. You have to take the calls. You have to gracefully accept the no's because that gets you one step closer to the next yes. Right. 
And so for me, it was just, it was patience and it was continuing to hit the phones hard and to, to kind of take this forward a little bit in my story is I got to the point where I was selling insurance and, um, you know, the, in the insurance sales game, it's, I mean, it's, you gotta be selling a ton of volume. It's a volume game. The commissions are relatively low, so it's, it's a volume game. And I was working at the time, um, for an agency that had an auto dialer, right? Mm -hmm. So it was literally like, I just click a button and it would call the next number. I didn't know who it was going to call next. It would just call the next name on the list, click the button, call the next name on the list, ring, ring, ring. They don't pick up, click the button, calls the next name. What I learned there in that experience of that auto dialer, I mean, I would do, I would do upwards of, of, you know, 250, 300 calls a day, outbound, cold outreach calls. And I got really good at, 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 you know, building up the thick skin of those rejections. Like when I would get that rejection, I would just move on to the next. Don't take it personally. Um, you know, you, you really don't want to, um, you know, take that stuff personally because it's, it's not personal, you know? Yeah. And so, so tangible steps, I would say, just keep doing it, keep getting the rejections. And, um, and that's going to be, you know, it's going to be huge for you. You got to, you got to build up that thick skin. You got to get those calluses and, and, um, you know, that's for me that I would say that's a tangible, a tangible thing of, you know, how to, to really, you know, up your sales game is just, learn how to accept the nose. Hey guys, one question that Mike and I get asked all the time is how do I go from where I'm at now to making 10,000 to $30,000 a month in remote closing? And Mike and I are big believers in coaching in general. We spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to get to where we're at now. So what we've done is we've just released one-on-one -on -one coaching. For those of you watching this that wanna break into the space and start making big commission checks now. One-on-one -on -one help, one-on-one -on -one guidance to show you exactly what to do, what not to do, when to do it, to get you the results that you want. If you're watching this and you wanna apply for coaching with us, now every month we're gonna accept five coaching students into the program that wanna get to that 10,000 to $30,000 a month mark. If that's you, all you gotta do is go to bit dot ly forward slash closers network coaching or you can click the link in the description below back to the podcast for sure how do you feel like follow-up has impacted that part of your sales process oh for sure dude and that's that's another that's another thing that i learned with that auto dialer that was really cool was it would automate it would automate the follow-up and mm -hmm. what i learned is the power, the power of follow-up through that experience, especially in insurance, um, you know, the, the one call closes are kind of few and far between, cause there's a lot of other factors at play, you know, in, in the insurance game. It's, it's not as easy to do a one call close as it is kind of in like the coaching world or this type of world that we're in now, but follow-up was, was huge. I mean, I would say probably 90% of my business came from follow-up and wow. the beauty of, of the, um, of the auto dialer in that particular place that I was working was that, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it automated the follow-up and it would, it was funny because it would just, like I said earlier, I didn't know who it was going to call next. And so I, I, let's say I quoted a guy on an insurance policy last week 
And then I click the button. I just got off the phone with the guy that rejected me. I click the button, boom, it's calling this guy that yeah. I quoted next week. And so um, it really, you know, it kind of trained me up on like how to think quickly and, um, and how to, you know, really get into that conversation, you know, as quickly as I could. But, but bottom line is follow up dude was, was huge. That was where all the majority of my sales came from. And I think that that's a, that's a weak spot for a lot of people. Um, if you don't get that one call close, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get the sale, right? You have to continue the follow up. It's, it's, if you're not following up right now and you're in sales and you just take a no as a no and move on, you're selling yourself short. You're leaving money on the table. That's like 90% of seasoned salespeople that I know. Yeah. Which is crazy. For sure. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's, that's You're wild. leaving money on the table if you're not following up. Yeah. If you don't get a hard no, don't ever call me again. If you don't get that, you need to be calling that person. 1000%. That's what I love preaching, man, to, to anybody that I coach or that's been around this. Like, if you're not getting a hard no, a hard no is please don't call me again. Yes. F off. Yes. Stop reaching out. Right. If it's just that's silence, the there's no, no response yeah. or hey, not now. Right. That's your cue to keep following up, folks. Keep following up. That person is still interested and don't take that foot off the pedal because eventually if you're top of mind enough, you're going to get that sale because mm -hmm. you're going to be the person they remember when they're ready to make the decision. That's a little secret. I just want to share it with you. Yep. Um, that's a fact. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Whether you're new or seasoned, the number one you can you could thing you can do to increase your your your, your commissions right now is start following up. Follow guys. up. Yeah, no doubt about Call it. Call everyone that you've spoken to. And if you don't have if you don't have a call on your books right now, like like on your calendar, if you have two hours after you're done watching this podcast, you got two hours before your next call. Go back, look at all of the all of your calls from the last two weeks or even a month, depending on how many calls you have. Just call those people. If you didn't get a hard no, if they didn't tell you to F off, call them. Close the deal. Guarantee you, you'll, you'll close some out of that. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. The worst thing you can tell yourself when you're doing that is, ah, there's no money to be made here. Ah, these people are not going to yep. buy. Yep. Well, if you're saying that, it's going to be true. But you also, if you say, dude, guarantee there's going to be a deal in there, that's also going to be true. It's right. Gold. Both things can be true. That being said, yeah, that's like the number one thing you guys should be implementing, guys, is follow up. Because, I mean, I'm going to test them if it turns to testament, but... You go back the last two weeks, I guarantee you, like he said, you're going to have a deal, if not multiple deals in there. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial, yeah. right? Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street action. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, dude, I'd love to know if you feel comfortable sharing this. If not, totally get it. But what was the most money you've made maybe in a month or in a day, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, right, as like a high ticket closer. I, I still remember when I, when I received this check, man, it was, it was the biggest check I'd ever received. And, and still to this day, it is the biggest, it was, it was $15,000. And to, to, you know, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of closers out there that are making more than that. Um, but, but yeah, 15 K is the most I've ever made in a month. And it was, when I got that check, it was like, it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced, man. Like I just, I felt like I had so much money. Right. Know? And then to be able, but the, the thing that was great about it was to be able to duplicate it months and months over like 15 K was the most, but I mean, averaging 12 to 15 K a month was, I mean, yeah, dude, it's huge. It's huge. What did you the, spend the, that the, on? Po the potential is massive. At the time I, I was, um, 
you know, to be honest, I don't really know what I spent it on. But what I did, what I told myself was when I ever broke 15K, I was going to buy, there was a specific watch I had in mind that I was going to buy. And I told myself I'd buy it when I hit the 15K in one month mark. Mm-hmm. And I did, and I bought it. And Man. yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, the watch was was like my thing that I bought. But I mean, obviously that wasn't the full 15, but it was, yeah, it was a nice watch. Did the, did the home dynamic change at all when once that paycheck come in like what were the feelings going on maybe it was for you or your wife oh for sure yeah i mean what did that feel like it's it it changes everything man when there's when there's money in the bank and that money stress is not there Mm. um you know it, it changes everything um you know like i said earlier you know before it was you know things at home were good but they weren't great um you know when when you when you remove that money stress factor, it really changes the tone of the household. And um, now I have, you know, I've got my daughter now as well. Um, I got two kids, Jeffrey and Lily. They're growing up in a house that doesn't have that money stress. That's not something that's hanging over the household. And that's to me is is everything that I could hope for. You know, Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah. Look at that. I got goosebumps, man. <laughs> It's crazy. The reason I feel this way too is because I, I read a stat recently that said like the number one cause for divorces is financial mm-hmm. issues, right? Yep. At, at home. So just to hear like what you can do and how you can turn your life around and, and have that impact to me, it's like, man, I don't know what other field you can really do that in with like no barrier to entry, basically. Right. Right. right? So, yeah. and you know, you kind of control your destiny, which is pretty cool. Um, and so that's, yeah, that, that's awesome. And I love, I love hearing stories like that. Um, I think you're a big believer in continuously working on yourself, right? And I think I wrote down, um, we're never done working on ourselves. Mm-hmm. How has your mindset around personal development continued to improve throughout your career in sales? Can you share like any specific habits or practices that have maybe particularly been impactful for you? As far as personal development, it's it's one of those things, like, like you said, you, we're never done working on ourselves. And what I mean by that is like these limiting beliefs that we talk about, you always have them. They just change. Right. Right. (laughs) And so when, when I, you know, when you overcome a certain limiting belief, like I could never make more than eight grand. I need that button again, bro. (laughs) I I need that button again. Jeez. (laughs) Like I can never make more than eight grand in a month. Right. And then you make eight grand and you're like, well, yeah, but I could never make 20. And then you make 20 and you're like, well, yeah, but like, so the limiting beliefs, they're, they're always there. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're always new just found, new found limiting beliefs. Yeah. And, and even not even, not always in the world of money, but just kind of across the board, like in your life, there's many limiting beliefs that you have. And when you overcome those things, you, you start to, to learn your next boundary, right? Like right. where is your next limiting belief? And so we're always, one thing that I'm always trying to do is, is push myself to try to find where those limits are. Right. And so that really also comes back to what we were talking about earlier with coaching is you have to have somebody that's, that is doing more than you in your life. You have to have somebody that has done more things than you in your life that can really stretch your mindset and help you Mm. to realize that, that you can do more and to help you grow beyond your bubble. And so many people stay in the bubble that they grew up in. Right. And so, Um, you know, that's, that's one thing where, you know, I feel like I have overcome that bubble that I grew up in, but now I just have a slightly bigger bubble 
And so through coaching, through pushing myself, my goal is to always continue to expand that bubble and always, you know, always working on myself, right? Yeah. Always trying to find that next level. And um, we're never done. We're never done. I think Tony Robbins says it best. Kanai, constant and never ending improvement. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And dude, it's, it's so true, right? Because like having that second pair of eyes for somebody that has been there, done that, and is doing it, like you said, more than you, right? To have that person by your side, guiding you through every step of the way, there's a lot to be said about Change that. Change the game. Yeah, you accelerate your results tenfold mm -hmm. by having that. And guys, if you're looking to get into this freaking space and you've never invested into the coach and you're expecting to sell coaching programs, I got news for you. You're not going to do great, right? And so you need to start investing in yourself, whether it's with us or whether it's whatever. It doesn't matter. You need to be able to at least make the statement and say, I've invested in myself at least once. Otherwise, you're not going to have the confidence that you need to actually do this, right? You need to be able to make the investment in yourself in order to get other people to invest with you. So I just want to make sure I, I point that out. There's something to be said about that. Um, that being said, Terrence, man, you have any you know, memorable success stories or challenges even from your sales career that you felt like taught you very valuable lessons around resilience or perseverance? Resilience and perseverance. I mean, it, it, that's something for me that has always kind of been a struggle is, you know, even from day one, doesn't matter what you're doing, you have to just continue to push yourself and you have to wake up every morning and just decide that you're, that you're going to continue to push yourself. And, um, sales, I feel like teaches you that more than anything else does mm. because you're going to get uncomfortable on the phone and that's okay. Right. You, there's going to be awkward pauses sometimes and that's okay. Right. Um, it's a, it's a part of the process. And so the more that takes me back to what we were, what I was talking about earlier, the sets and, and reps, like doing it, over and over and over again. If you just got off of a bad call, the worst thing to do is just hang it up for the day and move on and try to do it again tomorrow. 1000%. Like you have to pick up the phone again. Like you have to, if you just got off a brutal call, right? You have to pick up the phone again and just give it another shot. Cause if you just give up, that was one thing that my, my stepdad actually taught me when I was, uh, when I was growing up, um, I used to race dirt bikes and, um, Whenever I crashed, because when you're racing, I mean, you're, there's crashes. I've crashed a dirt bike more times than I can count. Damn. And, um, but every time I crashed, I was never allowed, even if I was like, there, there was one time where I, where he let me leave the track without getting back on the bike after a crash. And it was when I was legitimately injured. It would not have been safe for me to get back on the bike, but it was, it was, um, the rule was if I crashed, I had to get back on the bike and do at least one more lap before we left. If I was hurting, if I wasn't feeling good, whatever, got to get back on the bike and do one more lap. And so you build the resilience and sales from getting back on the bike, right? Getting back on the phone. You have to continue making those calls even after you just got off a brutal one. You just crashed and burned, right? That's right. <laughs> you got to pick up the phone and do it again. And, and that really, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, resilience is, is huge in the game of sales and, and, and the bottom line is you just have to do it. For sure. 1000%. Terrence, man, what would you tell our audience before we wrap it up here, our listener, right? If they're considering investing in coaching with us here at One Call Closers, 
whether it's with myself to help them land their first six-figure gig, something I've personally done for myself and that's how I met Rich, or whether it's coaching with Coach Trish, someone who you also know very closely, and Coach Trish helps them double, triple, or potentially even quadruple their closing ratio, right? What would you tell the listener about potentially coaching with us? Is there anything you want to share, any insights you can give since you have some experience with it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say it's a it's always worth it. I think if you go back and watch Richard's podcast, what, what he said was it's always worth it, right? right. Um, when you invest in yourself, it's, it's worth it 100% of the time because you get to see the blind spots that you didn't know were there. And and getting that extra set of eyes, like you said, on on your processes and your what you're saying to people and how you're going about doing it, it's, it's completely, you, you can't even put a dollar amount on it because that, that's the thing that's always blows, blows my mind. You, let's say you spend six grand on a coaching program, right? How much more money are you gonna make over your entire lifetime because of the things that you learned through that process? Right. And guys like you, people like Trish, right? Like, I mean, these are people that have, that have, that are crushing it in the sales game and tons of experience. And, and so to be able to pick their brain for them to be able to give you input and to show you those blind spots, it's, you, you can't even put a dollar amount on it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Before we wrap it up, Terrence, man, you have any final thoughts you maybe want to share? We haven't chatted about with the audience today. Final thoughts. Um, I would say, honestly, like if you're, if you're hesitant, I'll take it back to the very beginning when I was talking about that mentality of I could never be a salesperson or, or if you have any hesitancy there of feeling like you can't do it, um, I would say just give it a shot. Just give it a shot. It's going to be worth it. And if you're willing to invest in yourself and if you're willing to put in the repetitions, pull the trigger, do it, do it right now. Like it, you, you're, there's no reason to think about it any further if you're to the point where you're watching this podcast, you're interested enough in sales, you got to make it happen. You got to go do it because it, it's going to, it's going to change your life and you're going to learn lessons that are going to, that are going to expand beyond just your sales game, but throughout your whole life. Um, you know, a personal development doesn't only affect your career. It affects your relationships. It affects, you know, it affects everything in your life. And so if you're hesitant about getting into sales, but you're interested just do it. It's going to be worth it and you're going to have a blast. Stop thinking and start doing. Yes. And go from a spot of being interested, guys, to being committed, right? There's two different things, right? It's one thing to be interested in something. It's a whole nother thing to be committed to something, right? There's a lot of people in life that are just interested in things, right? That will always be interested in things. They'll never pursue that thing they're interested in. But it's a whole nother level, right, to be committed to something and to make the decision to start it, guys. So that being said, Terrence, man, it's been a privilege to have you on. I appreciate you being here. Fun, Guys, man. if you're looking to get coached by myself or Coach Rich, make sure that you click the link below to schedule a call with me and get on the phone. Let's talk about where you're at. If you're looking to land your first gig or you're looking to improve your sales, right? If you're already a seasoned salesperson, you want to make sure you click the link below and jump on a call with me to see if you qualify to coach with us. Let us help you land your first gig. Let us help you double, triple, or even quadruple your closing ratio if you're already closing. And make sure you get inside the Closers Network in school if you're not already in there because it's free. So that being said, Terrence, man, again, I really appreciate you coming out, man. It's been a privilege to have you, and I'm looking forward to having you back on. Awesome. Thanks, man. Awesome. See you guys.